better of who he is. Uh, Tonight I want us to just take a few moments to look at three names of God that we see in Scripture, explain those names, look at how they're used in the Bible, because I believe strongly that this is very helpful to us, because as we understand who he is, then we understand who it is that we go to in prayer. We understand who it is that we can rely on, and we learn his nature and his character. So tonight, as we begin, we're going to take a look at the first name. You see it written there in the Hebrew. Just remind you of a few Hebrew rules. You read from right to left instead of left to right. Uh, You have vowels that are done by punctuation marks. So we have Yahweh Shalom. And you remember Yahweh is the proper name for God. Most Bible translations that you have today, you will see that in all capital L-O-R-D, Lord. For Yahweh, you remember the Hebrew writers would not even write the name Yahweh. When you're in Hebrew class, you are forbidden to even speak or write the name of Yahweh because they revered it as so holy. Uh, Translation that I have, I'll be reading from tonight, uses Yahweh, but you will see the word Lord there. And this is Yahweh Shalom. You've probably heard that. Uh, And then down on the bottom you have there, how we would say it is, the Lord is peace. And I believe today we need to understand that the Lord is peace in the day and time that we live in. In a society that needs peace, that doesn't have peace. So what's the big deal about the Lord is peace? Well, what we have to understand is peace in the Hebrew word, the shalom, is more than our English word for peace. I love the beautiful language of Hebrew and then even in the Greek when you get in and you dive in and understand that today we might say the word peace and often that would be described as the absence of an outward conflict or a state of inner calm. When we think of peace today, we think of peace around us. We think of maybe some peace inside of us. But in today's term, when you think of peace, that peace could change at any moment by anything that happens around you. But that is not what shalom is. It's not what peace is. What we need to understand before we look in the scripture is that the Hebrew concept of peace, listen to these words that we would maybe say in the English that really begins to describe what this shalom or this peace is. They would have understand it as or understood it as wholeness. Someone being whole. Completeness. A finished word. Perfection. Safety. Wellness. When you talk about shalom and, and we look at that and for someone to have peace, they're, they're whole within their selves, they're whole and with God, they're complete. Think about God as this name describes who he is. He is whole. He is complete. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the finished word. He is perfection. He is safety. 
And he is wellness. And this wellness being the whole idea of a complete well-being. One that is satisfied and complete and finished. See, the Israelites, in God's word, we often hear how they would, what? They were such wonderful people. God gave them some commands to follow, but oftentimes we would hear what? And the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. Over and over we see this in the Old Testament. And the passage we're going to look at, if you would go ahead and turn there, is, will be in Judges 6. You can just hold the slide where it's at for a moment. But Judges chapter 6, we'll be looking at a scripture there. And uh, at this point in time, Israelite had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And for the last seven years, God has given them over to the hand of Midian. Now, because of their disobedience of God, he was not protecting them as full as he could. He was allowing them to go into the hands of Midian every time there was a battle. And the Israelites have finally turned around to God and confessed and trying to get right. And God had a chosen man by the name of Gideon. You know, Gideon's International, they come and speak here. They wear a little lapel pin that looks like a little clay pot with a flame. You remember Gideon took the light, put it in the clay pot. But God used this small man, this man from a very small clan, and he used a small amount of people to do a mighty work. Um, Gideon, you remember, they went down to the the little flowing creek there. There was a whole bunch of them that had come to fight. And the Lord said it's going to be fewer than that. And he began to dwindle them down. I had the lovely privilege. I think y'all have seen the video. When I went to Israel, each of us was assigned a different spot that we would stop at. And we would do a devotion on that. I had the privilege of being there at this well where this spring water come up. It is still flowing as a living spring. Uh, stuff coming up and moving down today. But to be right there and to be able to talk about that. But God showed up in a way to Gideon. Imagine now he's fixing to call this man from a small clan with a few number of people to go and fight a battle against a group of people that the entire army of Israel has been defeated every time for the last seven years. So let's look in Judges chapter 6, beginning in verse 12, to get a quick rundown of this. And the angel of Yahweh, or yours probably says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, Yahweh is with you, O mighty man of valor. Then Gideon said to him, O Lord, O my Lord, if Yahweh is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wondrous deeds, which our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not Yahweh bring us up from Egypt? But now Yahweh has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. So let's just pause there a moment. They've heard all the stories of how God is protected and, and now he's not seeing it there. He's asking God what's happening. Picking up verse 14. Then Yahweh turned to him and said, Go in this strength of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? But he said to him, O Lord, what with what shall I save Israel? 
Behold, my clan is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. But Yahweh said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall strike down Midian as one man. Now here Gideon is, he's looking, the Lord's telling him to go. Gideon's trying to give him every excuse he has, but I really believe he's trying to understand who God is. God, you're choosing the smallest clan that there is. You're choosing me, the youngest, and we usually see the the oldest or the best clan. But God is saying, I have sent you. Now, can you imagine the fear that's coming upon Gideon? In verse 16, But Yahweh said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall strike down Midian as one man. So Gideon said to him, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then do a sign for me that is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come back to you, and I bring out my offering and lay it before you. And he said, I will remain until you return. Verse 19. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. He put the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot and brought them out to him under the oak and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat. And the unleavened bread, and lay them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of Yahweh put out the end of the staff that was in his hand, and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. A fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Then the angel of Yahweh went away from before his eyes. And Gideon saw that he was the angel of Yahweh. So he said, Alas, O Lord Yahweh, for now I have seen the angel of Yahweh face to face. And Yahweh said to him, Peace to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to Yahweh and named it Yahweh is peace. To this day it is still in Ophrah or the Abysserets. Who is this that he is meeting with? Who is the angel of Yahweh? But this would have been the appearance of Jesus Christ prior to the incarnation. He is the angel of the Lord. But you see there the angel of the Lord has come. And Yahweh understands whose presence he's in. And he said that he is giving him peace. And he built an altar there. And named it Yahweh is peace or the Lord is peace. I'm giving you a command, Gideon, to go, and I'm going to go with you. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be your peace. I am going to make you complete, for I am complete. I am going to be the one that is there. This is the finished word. I will perfect you. I will perfect what I am saying. I will provide your safety and your wellness. Lady by the name of Ann Spangler noted it like this Yahweh Shalom is more of a title than a name of God. When used as a greeting, it is more than a hello or have a good day. It's more than saying peace. You hear some people around will say shalom sometimes. But she said this it expresses the hope. That the person you are greeting may be well in every sense of the word. They would be fulfilled, 
satisfied, prosperous, healthy, and in harmony with themselves, others, and God. They would be complete. What a word of peace or shalom to share. But what great news knowing that the Lord is peace. The one that we can go before in prayer is the one that will protect. The one that will provide our safety. The one that will provide us a completeness in who we are. The one who perfects us. Amen. We understand that when we go through some trials and tribulations, he's working on us. The sandpaper is not for no reason, but to complete us, to finish us, to perfect us. And make us well in our total self. So we have the name, the title of the Lord is Peace. Now let's look at the next name. This one here, again, you got Yahweh. That's the first one you have over there. Yahweh is Tsuri. Oftentimes you don't even hear the, the name or the T pronounced. But is Suri, which is the Lord, is my rock. What do we know about rocks? When we want to think about if the Lord is our rock, what do we know? But rocks provide what? They provide shade. Have you ever had to get under a rock for maybe some shade? They provide shelter. They provide safety. So understanding what a rock is, shade, shelter, or safety. There's some three S's. That could be a whole sermon in itself. But our God, that's what he is. The Lord is my rock. The Lord provides shade. The Lord provides shelter. The Lord provides safety. What do we know? What rocks are used for building things in the Hebrew times, Old Testament? They would have used rocks to build altars. You hear how they went through the waters, they crossed over, and they would set up rocks. They brought one from each tribe. They would build an altar. We hear of altars being met after, uh, built after people met with God. You would use rocks and carve them and make temples, or the temple, a place of worship. They would use rocks to build houses. We could say a lot of our houses are built out of rock. A lot of us use wood these days. And in their day, city walls, it was very important. City walls were built out of rocks. Most of these were not always tall walls. Some of them were. But they had to put a barrier of protection around the city to keep the enemy from coming in. So looking at Psalm 144, if you ever need help in prayer, open to the book of Psalms. It's a bunch of beautiful prayers that you can hear. But I want us to take just a moment here and to look at this Psalm 144, beginning in verse 1. It said, Blessed be Yahweh my rock. David's writing about the Lord. It says, Blessed be Yahweh my rock who trains my hand for war, my fingers for battle. Verse 2, My loving kindness and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield and he in whom I take refuge who subdues my people under me. Now go over to verse verse 7. Send forth your right hand on high. Set me free and deliver me out of many waters, out of the hand of the foreigners 
whose mouth speaks worthlessness and whose right hand is a right hand of lying. O God, I will sing a new song to you upon a harp of ten strings. I will sing praises to you who give salvation to kings, who set David's, his servants, free from the evil sword. So we begin to see a picture here. He calls him his rock, his fortress, his protection. What do we know about fortresses in their day? That's a place you would go. We maybe see um, castles today would be fortresses used for protection. You'd let down the gate. People could come and go. When the enemy comes, you pick it up. Guess what? We have an enemy out there. And his name's called the devil or Satan, the deceiver, liar, the accuser, whatever name you want to call him. He's after us. And we have that protection, that fortress that we can run to, that rock that is there. You see, he says, he trains me for battle, stronghold, my deliverer, my shield. When we pray to the Lord, our rock. This is who we're praying to, the one who can always be counted on. What do we know about a rock? A rock is usually a foundation. You hear of digging down to the bedrock. You're going to build something. You don't want it on a shifting sand. You build down. Do you find that foundation or you create it, that rock? So we know that when we go to the Lord, that he is the one who can always be counted on. What better one to pray to? Amen. When you don't know what's going on, you can go to the one who does and you can count on that he'll be there. And I love this. I know I've used this illustration before. But when you call on the Lord God, you don't get that that we get today. Thank you for calling. Please hold. Press one for this. Press no. Each one of us can go to the rock. We know he's there and he can always be counted on. What else do we know about the Lord? When we pray to the Lord our rock, his purposes and plans remain firm. He has a purpose in life. He has a plan. And we know that we can count on that foundation to always be firm, to always stay the same as a rock. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And Jesus is the stone in the New Testament. Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected but that he has become the cornerstone of God's church. They would take, and we've talked about this, they would take a stone, it was called the cornerstone, and that stone would have to be in the exact right place, and you build everything else off of that. And if that is off, then the entire building was off, it'll have no stability. But Jesus was the one that come in to bring stability to life. Jesus come as the one that we're to build everything upon. And when we build upon him, then we have a firm foundation. The, Jesus is the stone the builders rejected. The Jewish people rejected Jesus Christ. But Jesus came because he is the foundation for salvation. He is the what? The way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to him. No one comes to God but through him. And thirdly tonight, let's look at the next one there. Yahweh Roy. The Lord is my shepherd. 
These names, most of them that we see are from the Old Testament, especially when dealing with Yahweh. It's uh, something they would have understood and someone they'd call on. What do we know about the Hebrew people? But they were nomadic people. What does that mean? They didn't necessarily live in cities. They were always moving and they were on the go. And they had all of the animals and they would be shepherds and they would have to go around. It was a shepherd's responsibility to keep the animals from straying. As they moved around, he was to protect them. What did he protect them from? He protected them from thieves, protected them from wild animals. And it was also the shepherd's job to provide for them. As they made their way and took all their cattle, they would understand the necessity for a shepherd. It would have been something very um, in front of their minds and their understanding to protect them from thieves and from wild animals. So what does the Bible say about Satan? But he's like a lion crouching, waiting to attack. You see, the Lord is my shepherd. He has a responsibility to keep us from straying. He gives us a word and a road map. He has a job of protecting us. And providing for us. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. says, Yahweh is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I remember what I said about a shepherd. It's his job to keep the animals from straying. It's his job to protect and to provide for. Let's focus just a minute on those first couple of verses there. Let's look back at one through three. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. You see, the shepherd's job as they were traveling was to find those green pastures. We can understand that today. If you had some animals, you can't just let them out there. Stacy, right now, can There's nothing green for them out there. There's nothing for them to eat. You got to bring it in. What's that, Nebraska? I think y'all are getting some in. Uh, Jason was talking about earlier. The shepherd's job is to provide those green pastures, to find them, to get his sheep to where they can eat. So that they can have a substance to live on. It also says there that, says he leads me beside quiet waters. And the waters are quiet today because there's not much out there. But sheep need water. We all need water. But sheep, remember, were stupid animals. But they were also very skittish. They were very scared animal. Because you can imagine as a sheep you have a full coat of wool. 
that was to get wet, what happened? So if there's a bunch of raging water, the sheep are not going to want to go up to this water and they're not going to want to drink. But also, not only are they not getting water, they're not going to rest. So you see, the shepherd's job was to find the still waters. Find the waters where the sheep will be comfortable to go and drink. And the sheep can lay down in those green pastures and rest. We also see, it says that he restores my soul. They get that restoration. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. The shepherd's job was to lead those sheep where they went. See, it was his responsibility to get them from A to B. To guide them. They would walk along cliffs. He guides them. And then it says, for his name's sake. You see, the Lord is my shepherd. David understood that very clearly. He was a shepherd. We can look all throughout the Old Testament. Isaac and Moses and Abraham. A bunch of these were shepherds that were understanding what these words were. So to call on God, David's calling on him as one who is going to provide for what he needs. You know, if life, we all need something, amen? We're always in need. We can be confident that when we call on the Lord, our rock, who is always there, that he will provide for us. He will give us those green pastures, that still water, And I love in the New Testament, it says that Jesus was the good shepherd. Just listen to this as I read to you, John 10, 14. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own knows me. Praise the Lord. Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. Jesus Christ is the one that we can call on at any hour, at any time, and he'll be there. I group these three together for a very particular reason because I want us to understand in our prayer. Let's, let's just, let me pull this up here for you. The Lord is peace. The Lord is my rock. And the Lord is my shepherd. We need to understand that God is peace, rock, and shepherd because those go together. In the life that we live, in the hustle and bustle and hectic life that we live, we need peace. We need to know that he's the rock. He's a constant. He's a foundation. He's one that's always there. He's one that can provide that peace, that wholeness in us. You know, those without Christ, there is no peace in their life. They may appear to have peace. But I promise you they're looking. There's an unrest. And how do I know that? Because the Bible tells us that we were designed for fellowship with God. We were designed for communication and relationship with God. And without Jesus Christ, there is no relationship. There's no hope because there's no peace. There's no overall wellness. So that's who we need to pray to. And understand that he is peace and he's rock. That he's always there. He's our foundation. He's the one that we build upon. He's the one that's there for us. And then he's that shepherd. We can know that he loves us. Church, we can know that he has our best interest at heart. 
We can know that he's looking after our well-being. He wants to provide that peace because he is that rock. So these names that we see are vital to understand that when we don't know where to turn, we know that we can turn to him because he's the rock that the foundation's built on. We know that he's not going to try to harm us because it's his responsibility as we are his sheep and he is our shepherd to provide and to protect and to restore. That's another part of that rock. He gives us that shelter and that protection because he is the good shepherd. Tonight I'd like for us to take just a, a few moments. If you would just bow your heads. I want us to to spend some time tonight. You know, there's so many things that go on in our life. We try to do everything that we can that sometimes we just don't have the time to spend just sitting in the presence of Yahweh. So tonight, would you just bow your heads? And I'm going to give you a few moments to just don't say anything, but for a moment, just rest in the presence of the Good Shepherd.